Hello, and welcome to the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. While there, you can join in the conversation about this show. Just search for Built Different Podcast in your internet browser. Here now is your host, Zach Clinton, on this edition of the Built Different Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Built Different Podcast. I'm Zach Clinton. Man, I'm so excited to have you guys here with us today. Hope you guys had a blessed weekend, and I hope you guys are ready just to take on this week strong. Man, we got a good one coming up for you guys today. Today's guest is honestly somebody that I've looked up to for quite some time. It was a really fun interview getting him on the other side of the microphone as he's a podcast host of a podcast that has completely changed and transformed my life in the Sports Spectrum podcast. He was a former ESPN producer, Mr. Jason Romano. You guys, he has just an unbelievable testimony. I mean, he grew up from just a really tough and turbulent childhood a lot of stuff with his dad and alcoholism, stuff that he had to suffer through and grow through as a child. He really had to grow up at a very young age. And that for a lot of kids can be just so, so harsh. It's such a harsh environment to grow up in. And he grew up through it, man, but he overcame because he found the Lord in the midst of his pain. As he continued to go on through life and chase and pursue his dreams, God really transformed his heart. And his story is truly one of grace and forgiveness. And that's really what this episode is going to be all about today. It's going to be about, I mean, the nitty-gritty, some of the emotions, some of the hardships that he really experienced, some of the things that he felt as just a little boy wanting that affirmation and that acceptance and that leadership, in a sense, from his own father, but also how then it affected his relationship with his heavenly father and that correlation between the two. But to hear now how Jason is able to continually choose forgiveness every single day and make it more of a process. What we have to understand, though, is that it takes time sometimes to forgive somebody. It is a daily choice. It is a daily option. But also forgiveness is so freeing. I'm telling you guys, forgiveness leads to freedom. And that's something that we all need to hear and understand because we all are broken people We're all broken vessels. We all need to find empathy in our hearts for those that have wronged us at some point. Now, sometimes the wronging and the hardships are so much more severe than others. But forgiveness is freeing not only for that person, but also for yourself. I'm telling you, it will change your life. In this episode today, that's what we're really going to dive into. So this episode with Mr. Jason Romano is coming up right after this short break. We'll be right back with more after this. Hey guys, Dr. Tim for Ignite Men's Impact Weekend coming August 13th and 14th at Thomas Road Baptist Church. This Ignite is fire. Experience Zach Williams live in concert. Former Pittsburgh Steeler linebacker Ryan Shazier is with us. Best-selling author that fought the battle in Benghazi, Mark Ozgeist for our God and Country Night. Liberty University head football coach Hugh Freeze is with us. World Series champion Daryl Strawberry, Rick Rigsby, so much more. It wouldn't be Ignite without the Extreme Outdoor Expo and 
Kids Zone with dozens of workshops, stuff that men love, hunting, fishing, football, and more, featuring some of the leading experts in the world. Best news, Virginia is wide open, all restrictions are gone, and we can't wait to get to Ignite. Don't miss this one. Welcome back to the Built Different Podcast. Here's your host, Zach Clinton. Mr. Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Zach. This is great. Happy to be here. This is awesome. Seriously, I mean, the buzz around NRB, like we just talked about, both mm-hmm. of our first times here. Yeah. Um, the buzz is infectious. It's exciting to be here. And honestly, when I saw that you were going to be here, I got stoked because you are it's kind of like I'm interviewing a celebrity here <laughs> by all that you've done yeah. um, through Sports Spectrum. And I think the impact that it's had on my life as a former athlete and on the lives of so many young athletes out there who are just really trying to seek their identity, right? Mm-hmm. So easy for them to find it in the game and in athletics, but yes. you're really trying to point people to Christ. Sir, what's the heart and the message behind all that you guys are doing at Sports Spectrum? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what you just said. Um, it's to point people to Christ. We like yeah. to say, bring Jesus back into the sports conversation. Yeah, um, That's been the heart of, of the ministry for 30 30- plus years since right. Sports Spectrum came around. Um, I've been a part of Sports Spectrum for four and a half years now. Mm. And I know when we acquired it and kind of we're revamping it and, and, and building it back up, the desire was never to do anything other than bring Jesus into the conversation to yeah. point people to Christ. But it was always to use these athletes and coaches and broadcasters and anybody in the sports realm. I mean, mm. even pastors and speakers have been on our shows. Um, to talk about the intersection of sports and faith hmm. and faith in Christ. Yeah. Faith can be a, a wide ranging word for a lot of people, but right. we're not holding back the name of Jesus. Like that's who we mm. want to talk about. Mm. And uh, there are, as you know, there are a ton of athletes who love Jesus that's right. and they don't get to talk about that in, right. in too many forms, especially mm. in the media, especially at places like my former employer. So yeah. when we revamped and kind of started up sports spectrum again and you know, created the podcast, the idea was to talk to these athletes and let them have uh, a platform to share what is the most important thing in their life. Mm. And that's, and it's so weird to think about that, right? It's the most important thing in so many of these athletes' lives, and they don't get a chance to tell that or share about that anywhere. Right. So that's kind of what we try to do is have this platform to allow for that. Mm. Well, I seriously love uh, your platform over there at Sports Spectrum and all that you guys are doing. Seriously, like I said, it impacted me significantly. I still tune in all the time, and I love listening to the different interviews and the magazine, just everything you guys have to offer. So, sir, just to begin, thank you. Mm. Um, But I know you... Sure, you've heard the, heard the old quote that says it takes years to become an overnight success. <laughs> In other words, right? That's Everyone has a story. Yeah. Everyone journeys through life to get to where they're at today. Sir, you're no stranger to adversity. Uh, mm-hmm. Growing up, you're from a small time, small town outside of Albany, New York. Yeah. Um, and in your book, Live to Forgive, you mention that your parents were divorced um, by the age of six for you. Yeah. And you had this tough relationship with your dad. Can you help our listeners understand what your childhood was really like growing up? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. When you're going through something as a child, you don't realize that it's tough. It's just kind of the hand you're dealt. Yeah. Um, especially if you have 
one stabilizing parent, right. which I did with my mom. Right. So yes, we had, uh, my mom and dad got divorced when I was, just before I was six years old. And so mm. I don't really have any memories of them being together at all. Mm. Um, and growing up, uh, you know, sports was all I cared about, <laughs> yeah. if I'm being honest. Yeah. Uh, I loved playing it. I played basketball and played baseball. Um, loved football, loved watching football. We used to mm. play football in our backyard. And I just um, threw myself into sports, watched mm. it, played it, kept notebooks with stats, all these things that not desiring to ever get a job in this business right. in broadcasting, it was just what I was passionate about. Mm. Um, I, I give that passion, or I, I should say I have that passion, because of my dad in yeah. many ways. My dad loves sports right. and uh, he was around a lot when we were kids. He tried to be, mm. but alcohol got the best of him. Mm. And when alcohol gets the best of some people, you make decisions that aren't the greatest. Right. And unfortunately, my dad made a lot, of, a lot of bad decisions and it strained the relationships that he had with myself and my two younger brothers. Mm. Um, and I always say that the very thing that should have brought us together, which is sports yeah. as kids, um, tore us apart. Wow. Because quite often when we were together, sports was involved in some way, whether we were watching a game together or we were playing in an event, a sporting event. Mm. But my dad often would show up drunk. Right. And, um, you know, that is supposed to bring us together. And it didn't. You know, yeah. if we were watching a game on a Sunday, I remember watching a lot of NFL games as a kid on Sundays. And my dad would usually be drinking quite heavily. And then if mm. his team lost or something bad happened, he would get very, not violent in the sense of like hitting us or anything, right. but violent where he would throw things across the room. I remember him breaking yeah. like a plant. Um, he mm. was just so mad, you know, that his team lost. And I'm like, mm. that's not, that's not cool, dad. What are you doing? Right. Um, so that was kind of what it was like as a kid. Like I said, my mom was the, the rock for us and really kept us together. Yeah. Like she, she recognized... Um, the unhealthy side of what my dad was going through and tried mm. to, she wanted us to have a relationship with our father, but she also understood that it could be very destructive. Right. So my mom really sheltered us and kept us from, um, from that, showed us unconditional love, showed us, mm. uh, you know, what it was like to allow us to pursue our dreams and to go after things that we mm. wanted to go after. I mean, I tell people all the time how we made it out of what, our dad was like, um, yeah. and into where we are now, especially as followers of Christ and trying to live our lives for him. Yeah. It's an absolute miracle mm. in many ways. It really is. Um, mm. none of us grew up in Christian homes or had any kind of faith element right. when we were younger. Right. Um, so it was all worldly stuff. You know, it was achievement. It was school. Mm. It was college. It was dreams. It was jobs. Mm. Um, and it was sports. That's right. And so that's kind of where we were. Hmm. It's great to hear that you had that stabilizing factor in your mom because I, as I've read in your book, you know, there was a lot of wounds that you experienced when it came to your dad. A lot of hurt. I'm yeah. sure a lot of embarrassment, right? And pain and anger and frustration and different emotions that kids face, especially. And what we love to do is we love to white knuckle it, right? We love to try to kind of just put it out of the spectrum. Yeah. We don't even want to like face it or come to the grips with it. And we just want to almost numb the pain or anesthetize the pain. Did you ever experience feelings like that growing up? Yeah, I mean, I, I got a little bit older, I think to where I was 11, 12 years old. Yeah. I started to recognize that something wasn't right. Right. You know, when I was seven or eight, my dad would take me to the bar with him hmm. and uh, put the Celtic game on, the Boston Celtics game on, and we would, you know, he would get me a soda and give me some quarters and I would go play pinball or video games. Hmm. And that was, that's a pretty good day for a seven or eight year old. Right. I don't know any different. Right. So I'm like, yeah, dad, let's go. Mm. But I didn't realize my dad was up at the bar screaming and yelling at the television, yeah. drinking heavily. So 
I didn't recognize it until probably 11 or 12 years old. Mm. And I remember um, the very first time I actually saw something with my dad and I was like, this is not right. This guy is, something's wrong here. Yeah. We went to a Philadelphia Eagles, New York Giants game. It's the yeah. very first story in, in my yeah. book. And, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of either team, but I'm a fan of sports and a fan of football. And yeah. this was my first ever sporting event. And you go to it. And you walk in and you see this giant football field and there's 60,000 people in Philadelphia. Mm. And I'm thinking, this is amazing. Yeah. And then halfway through the game, my dad's a Giants fan and he was drinking, of course. And he's getting in fights and verbal spats with some of the fans of the Eagles. And I'm like, all right, that's not cool, Dad. Mm. And then on the way home, and this is in the mid-80s, not that it makes a difference because it was wrong then, just like it's wrong now. But on the way home, he had been drinking heavily, probably drunk, and he drove yeah. four hours somehow wow. home from Philadelphia to, to Albany, New York, mm. with us in the back seat. Right. And I remember swerves and, mm. you know, really just kind of being scared in the back seat. I remember my stepmom, uh, Patty, who was my dad's second wife, you know, screaming and yelling at him to kind of just get it together. And, and I was like, really scared. Mm. And I didn't know what I was scared of at that point. Right. It wasn't until I was older, I would say in high school, and especially into college and into my 20s and even more into my 30s where I recognized I just needed to be away from this. Right. This was bad. And I didn't I knew I didn't want to become that. That's right. You know, it's even today as we just passed Father's Day and mm. um, I think about what Father's Day meant to me. It's like I didn't have a great father example. So the best I, I knew was to do the opposite. Right. Of what he did. Of what he did. To us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think when we were younger... Um, you know, I don't know if I suppressed the the pain. I definitely kind of pushed it in the back. Yeah. As I got older, I started putting those uh, into, I, I call them boxes in the attic. Yep. You know, where there was yep. memories that you just kind of suppress and push to mm -hmm. the side and move forward with what you have. Mm. But eventually, those boxes need to be pulled out and you need to open them. And that didn't take place till I was la older and That's much right. later. Yeah. So as you're going through all these difficulties and all this hard time, one thing, though, that, like you said, your dad instilled within you is this love and this passion for athletics. Oh, yeah. Right. And athletics became kind of an outlet for you as you're maneuvering and navigating your way through the pain. And you get into sports broadcasting and then you get the opportunity to have this dream job hmm. at ESPN. Jason, what was it like walking into ESPN on your very first day? The very first day. So I have a funny story. I mean, it's it, I will say there's a couple first days, right? I, yeah. I interviewed twice for the job. Okay. The first time I didn't get it, 1998. Two years later, I walked through and I was interviewing again. So I walked through those halls on those days for the first time. Yeah. And I was like, this is amazing. Right. This is the greatest thing ever. And I was like a kid in the candy store. Oh my gosh, I'm at ESPN. <laughs> and if it stopped there, that would have been a great story. Yeah. Like, I, hey, I got to be interviewed and walk to ESPN and do this, you know, interview thing. Um, but I got the job. Hmm. So my very first day at ESPN, it was a Monday, July 18th, 2000. I will never forget it. Wow. And I was prepared the night before. I had just gotten married to my wife. Hmm. And we get to, uh, she stays back in Albany. And they put me up in some hotel until we're trying to find a place to live. And I had realized, because it's about two hours away. Right. That when I pulled out my clothes to what I'm going to wear on my first day to impress everybody at ESPN, yeah. I left my clothes in Albany. <laughs> so all I had was jeans, basically what I'm wearing now, jeans and a golf shirt. And by the way, that's the normal attire right. at ESPN, right. jeans and a golf shirt. Yeah. 
but the first day is not how you want to look <laughs> when you're walking into first those. Impressions. Yeah, you want, yeah, I, yeah. I had a shirt and a tie, I think, and slacks and shoes, and I was ready to like make a first impression. And oh, they, yeah. they all stayed in Albany. So I was uh, walking around on that first day excited, right. but really apologetic to every person I <laughs> ran into. And I said, this is not how I meant to dress today. I am so sorry. Um, and everybody just calmed me down. It was good. Uh, but I just, I really remember being, um, I mean, I didn't have a faith in God at that point, right. but I would say I was so thankful to mm. whatever I was thankful for that I had this job. I'm mm. like, you're going to pay me to walk into the worldwide leader of sports broadcasting yeah. and talk about and produce and watch sports. You're mm. going to pay me to do that yeah. because I would do that for free. For free, and literally. You, and I still would to this day. <laughs> Same. Um, but you're going to pay me. Yeah. And so let's go. And, and it wasn't even about the money, uh, you know, but it was the fact that I walked in there and had this job and I didn't know how long I would have it. Yeah. Uh, it turned to be turned out to be 17 years, but it was amazing. It really was. And I didn't lose that. People ask me, did you lose that after a couple of years? And I'm like, not really. You know, I, I, I settled into the job just like anybody yeah. would, but I kept reminding myself quite often that we're doing sports. We're in the, we're in the toy department of broadcasting here. <laughs> let's just have fun and let's enjoy. You want to do it well That's right. and you want to take your job seriously, That's right. but look what we're doing. Like we're talking about home runs and it's touchdowns yeah. and you know nba it's a dream finals michael jordan lebron james come on what are we talking about here so <laughs> it's a it's a dream it was it really was that's amazing i think you know my whole childhood i said i didn't watch tv i watched sports center right like that's all i ever watched growing up as a kid still yeah. to this day i mean i all I watch is sporting events. So yeah. I can't imagine what it would be like just walking on the set. Scott Van Pelt, all those guys just right there. That's that's so exciting. And, sir, you go through, and then, like you said, there wasn't really this faith in God until you are about 26 years old, that's right? right? And yeah. your brother was introducing you to Christ, and you kind of labeled him as almost like this Jesus freak. What was this yeah. like for you? Yeah, he was, uh, I was actually, I was just 27, a little past my 27th birthday. Yeah. But a couple years earlier, my brother and I, his name is Chris. We both got married a couple months apart hmm. in 1999. Yeah. And I went to his wedding and it was a Christian wedding. Hmm. Like it was done with, with Christ at the center. My wedding was sort of a more traditional wedding yeah. where it was done with Jason and Dawn at the center, <laughs> right. my wife's name. Um, but I watched my brother after he became a Christian and I didn't know at the time what that meant. Hmm. I, 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 like I said, it wasn't even Jesus freak. I thought he was in a cult like it was that much of a 180 change for him right because he was living this worldly life and mm. having fun and but he was also heading down some some paths that i wasn't mm. really excited about with him and then he got radically saved yeah did a 180 and i saw him and i thought that's not the chris that i know mm. but it was so awesome to watch him over the next few years live out his faith yeah it's one th and he constantly was telling us like jay you don't understand this is great you got to get saved you got to ask jesus into your heart and i was like slow your roll man right, i right. don't know what you're talking about here <laughs> um but a couple years later in 2001 after i had watched him for a few years and i thought wow this guy loves his wife in an mm. amazing way this guy loves his newborn son samuel yeah. who's now 21 in an amazing way mm. i want to be like that right. where does that come from right because we didn't have that example mm. of a marriage because our parents got divorced multiple times, actually. Mm. We didn't have the example of a dad mm. and how to be a dad. So 
I wanted to watch him right. and then learn from him because we hadn't become parents yet until a few years later. And one day on Mother's Day of 2001, uh, my brother invited me to his church. Hmm. Now, Zach, I grew up in a church that was a Catholic church that was much quieter and sort of oh, yeah. calm and almost like a library. Right. And, you know, very, you know, the mood was very kind of stoic. Solid. Yeah. You go to my brother's church and it was <laughs> Pentecostal. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Let's just say it had a lot of emotion. <laughs> uh, there was dancing in the aisles. There was worship. There was people raising their Stomping hands. Stomping around. Was a rock oh, concert. Yeah. And I, now it's fine. Right. But then it was night and day. And I was like, <laughs> where am I? And what in the heck is this? Um, but I will say going from the two experiences, the one thing that really caught me, caught my interest was the message. Yeah. The pastor came up and he shared for 20, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it was. And that was interesting to me. I always mm. enjoyed listening to people speak about different things. Right. And I don't remember what he spoke about that day, but he clearly mm. spoke something that opened my heart because mm. my brother later on asked me about the service. And I said, you know, it wasn't, it was weird. Yeah. <laughs> and there was music and there was dancing and raising hands and singing, but I, the message was pretty good. Mm. And that was an opening for him. And I tell people all the time, just look for an opening. You don't have to ever force your faith on anyone, mm. but look for an opening. If they're interested, that's where you can have that conversation. And I was open that day. My brother saw it and he said, come, mm. back, to the, come back to the back bedroom. And we went mm. back to the back bedroom and we sat down and he asked me point blank, Jay, mm. if your heart's open today, I want to share with you about the gospel. Yeah. I know I've told you about it for three years yeah. or two years, but I want to share it with you. And I said, yeah, Chris, tell me about, tell me what the gospel is. Hmm. I really didn't know. Right. And he explained it to me. Um, and I tell people, I think I walked out that day, still hmm. not fully understanding. Right. But my heart was open to begin the journey. And he asked me point blank, do you want to accept Christ into your life? And I said, mm -hmm. I think I do. Yeah. Hmm. So we prayed a prayer and, uh, you know, that was the beginning of the journey. Mm -hmm. That was, it may have been the day I got saved. I yeah. tell people it is, but I don't think I understood fully what I was saying yeah. when I said that Getting prayer. Into. Yeah. yeah, my heart was open, right. but I tell people all the time, you don't need to have it figured out. That's right, that's right. You don't. In you fact, know. it's probably better if you don't. Right. Just have the openness to say yes to it mm. and then begin the journey. That's right. And it's been 20 years now on this journey and I don't mm. have it all figured out, but I'm yeah. so thankful that my brother had the boldness yeah. to say, hey, Jay, let me, let me ask you this question. Mm. And it's changed everything for me. I tell people mm. I wouldn't be talking to you. Right. Sports Spectrum wouldn't be a thing. Right. In some ways, ESPN may have not been a thing for many years yeah. if it hadn't been for my brother just having enough boldness to say, can I tell you about Jesus? Mm. And I could have said no. Right. And who knows what would have happened. But I said yes, and that began the journey, and here we are. Praise the Lord, he said yes, sir. And yeah. like you said, thank goodness for the boldness of your brother Chris, just to yes. openly profess his faith to you, and not only talk the talk, but walk the walk, so you were able to recognize it and see it lived out in his own life. Yeah. You then go on, you work for ESPN for 17 years, right? And you're trying to integrate your faith throughout this process then, once you become a believer of Christ and a follower of him. You're producing content for shows such as Sports Center, Monday Night Football, Mike and Mike in the Morning, Sunday NFL Countdown, College Game Day, MLB's All-Star Game. I mean, just ridiculous stuff. Yeah, But it's then, amazing. God grabs a hold of your heart, you hear a knocking on the door of your heart, and all of a sudden God wants to 
kind of transition you into a different season and you're walking away. This takes boldness too. You're walking away from something you love. And like we talked about yeah. just a second ago, a dream job. Yeah. And you transition into this sports spectrum role. What was that transition like for you? And how have you seen God's faithfulness in the midst of it? Yeah, the transition has been way more than I ever could have dreamed or expected. Yeah. Um, it was not an easy decision. In fact, I tell people it took a couple years to to process this mm. nudging and tugging that I felt God leading me to towards mm. um, and to actually not just act on it, but to see the door that was opening for me to say yes to. That's right. um, in 2015 is when I really started thinking about, man, maybe God wants me to do more for him somewhere else. Right. And I didn't know what that meant. Hmm. Uh, 2017 is when I left. So that's two years. And a lot hmm. went into those two years to make that decision. Hmm. Um, but the, it was not an easy one. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. You know, talks about the uh, Bible talks about, and I think our Christian walk is so... Um, it's so crucial to have community around you. That's right. And to seek wise counsel. Yeah. And I didn't just make this decision by myself. I certainly mm -hmm. wasn't going to make this without my wife's um, encouragement, but I needed to talk to people and say, am I nuts here? Am mm -hmm. I crazy? Mm -hmm. Because ESPN is everything that I could have wanted and more. Mm -hmm. you know, I was getting paid really well and I was enjoying the job and I, I was talking about sports. Like what else, what else was I looking for in a job? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if I stayed there, if I would have stayed there forever. There's been right. some cuts over the last few years, so maybe I would have gotten let go. But I said, I think God's calling me away. And mm. I think this feels nuts to say out loud, but I think he <laughs> is. And almost every person, especially in the people I was seeking, were people of faith, people like-minded, not people really in the sports broadcasting business. Right. Because I knew those people might be like, are you crazy? You right. want to leave ESPN? But I wanted to go outside the walls to people who were in other areas of mostly ministry, people mm. who were pastors, people who were um, authors and speakers and people I trusted mm. and just kind of give, pour out my heart a little bit. And none of them said I was crazy, mm. um, which is good, yeah. I think, but I, it was almost too <laughs> affirming. Yeah. But I remember one person specifically when I told him, he said, uh, Jason, you got to be careful here if you're going to leave ESPN. I said, mm. well, what do you mean? I thought he was going to say, because you're leaving a great job. <laughs> right. He goes, no, because if you're following God's call and you really believe this is his call, he's going to blow the doors wide open for you. Wow. And I said, "Wow, he is? What do, you th what do you mean by that? He's like, I don't know what that means. Right. But if you're following his call, if you're seeking him first, mm. if you are putting your faith and trust in him mm. the entire time, he's going to blow your mind. I promise right. you that. And I said, okay. And I never forgot that. That was two years before I left. Wow. And in 2017, this opportunity to go work for a sports and faith broadcasting ministry like there's mm. a lot of combo words used yeah. there yeah. between sports and broadcasting and <laughs> yeah. faith but that's what it was yeah. it was ministry it was <laughs> sports and it was jesus and that's it's right. like that's where my passions were and my talents right all kind of intersected mm. and this opportunity to go to sports spectrum came and i i said yes now i took a 40 percent pay cut mm. There were no benefits. Mm. It was a contract job. Mm. There's no more Walt Disney World tickets right. that I got for free <laughs> right. because that's who I worked for was yeah. Disney, who owns ESPN. All of that was going to go away. Yeah. And I remember sitting down with my wife and she said to me, Jason, um, are you sure we can afford this? This is mm. a lot of money that we're, that we're pushing to the side. And I said, honey, I said, um, if this is my doing, mm. I said, this will crumble so quick. I promise you. Mm. Uh, and I'll go back to ESPN. Yeah. Um, because I think, I think this isn't from me. I think this is right. God's 
desire for me to walk away. Mm-hmm. And I said, if it is, he'll provide. That's right. I don't know how, yeah. but he will. But he will. And I said, and the money that they're offering me at Sports Spectrum, I once made at ESPN, you know, five, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. But I was making that money and we were living pretty pretty much the same in, in terms of the bills and things like that. Mm-hmm. I said, Let, let's just see what God does here. Mm-hmm. And that's not an easy conversation to have with your wife um, because she's seeing things from a larger point of view and I'm looking at them from you know a smaller point of view but I said let's see what God does and like I said and like my friend said blew the doors wide open Mm. and he did I mean I loved my job and I still love my job with Sports Spectrum yeah the stuff that we get to do is just crazy I get to talk to athletes about (laughs) Jesus like what's happening here come on and get paid for it right I mean that's I would do that for free as well (laughs) Um, don't tell my bosses though. <laughs> but the fact that I've written two books, and mm-hmm. I say this with as much humility as I can, because I have zero desire to write books. Yeah. And I wrote two books. Yeah. God opened up doors to do that. That's right. To speak and share and travel across the country, mm. um, to grow Sports Spectrum from just a podcast to um, what we continue to do with the magazine, to a podcast network of shows, to mm. all of these opportunities to interview people. I mean, it's just he's blown open the doors wide open like like my friend said and uh mm. now here we are today four and a half years ago and i am just in awe of what he's doing the fact that i'm at nrb you know here talking to you that's right it's it's crazy it mm. really is but i'm so glad that i said yes that's right and i think sometimes and that's that's another example for those that are listening of you know i said yes initially just to follow christ right. and then i went on a journey and god revealed himself to me in so many ways, used Mm. people like my brother and others. But when I said yes to leave ESPN, Mm. it felt felt very similar. Mm. I didn't understand where I was going. I didn't understand the whole journey other than I knew it was going to be with Sports Spectrum, at least initially. Mm. And then you go on this journey and you you start to see and trust and watch God go to work. It's amazing. And it's pretty fun when you get to watch God go to work and he just... You know, you just blow your mind. It just blows your mind. Like you said, he blows your doors off, and he continues to show up, and then he shows off in your (laughs) life. You know what I mean? It's a great way to put it. That's what he does. Yeah. And, Mr. Jason, you know, just like circling back around now to your book, right? Yeah. Your book, Live to Forgive. And it all kind of comes back full circle in the sense of as as you're growing in your faith, as you're growing in your career, God opens up your door then to this idea and this concept and this process of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And he shows you that you are forgiven, right? And then he kind of opens your heart into the understanding of that freedom comes from forgiveness as well. That's right. And sir, circling back to this relationship with your dad and the forgiveness piece that you've really touched on in this book and you talk about you know the four different parts feeling the pain evaluating the trauma transforming the wound and then forgiving the abuser Mm -hmm. jason what did the process of forgiveness really look like for you and how difficult was it even to reopen some of these wounds you know what i mean yeah it was a process for sure it still is Um, i tell people even today even though there was a moment when i did say to my dad i forgive you and kind of felt a release of the anger that I had been holding on to for many years, uh, it's still a process. Yeah. I saw my dad a couple of days ago and I, I, even, the, even in seeing him and I'm so glad that we're reconciled, there's still like these, you know, 
memories that come in and these mm. feelings and you're like, man, I got to get rid of those. I thought I got rid of those. I've, I've forgiven him completely. And, but you yeah. still see him and you think about all of your, your life, That's you know, right. 40 plus years of life. That's right. Um, so yeah, I think, I think when I think about forgiveness, I think about the fact that it's a process, the fact that it's not instantaneous, it's not microwavable, and it's not something that when you say, yes, I'm going to forgive you, um, it's not about the other person. Mm. Forgiveness is, in my opinion, never about the other person. Uh, forgiveness is about you. That's right. Forgiveness is about, you talked about freedom That's right. and forgiveness. The freedom is for us. That's right. When we carry around anger and bitterness, all we're doing is drinking poison. You've heard that's this it. and it. expecting the other person to die. Right. That doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but that's what we're thinking. Mm. Like, Oh, I'm going to hold up that grudge against that person mm. and they're going to, they're going to feel all this pain. And I'm like, actually no. What, what happens is you're the one feeling the pain and they've probably moved on with their life in right. most cases. Right. Um, I do say this, I want to make clear on this of those who are listening. Forgiveness does not always mean reconciliation. Mm. They're two different things. Mm. For me, I was able to have reconciliation with my dad, but I had to forgive him first, knowing that reconciliation might not be possible. Mm. And it wasn't for a while. Mm. But for other people, they're in some really bad relationships. Sometimes you can't reconcile. That's right. You could maybe be cordial. You can at least maybe, you know, whatever. Sometimes you never talk to that person again. Mm. Maybe that person's not even around anymore. Maybe they right. passed. Right. But the forgiveness aspect is, is something that not mm. only is, does it provide freedom, if you're a follower of Christ, Jesus doesn't sugarcoat it. That's right. He like says you have to forgive, have to forgive. every single time. Yeah. No matter what happens, no matter mm. who's wronged you, you are to forgive because mm. it's a perfect example of him forgiving us. Mm. And when we don't, we're actually hypocrites. Amen. And we put a hand up to God and mm. say, I got this. I can control this. I'm good. And uh, that's not how God wants us to live. He wants us to put the faith in him and to, and to live like him. That's and to right. be Christ-like means to be a great, a great forgiving person, if you will. That's right. Um, because that's what God did for us. Amen. We're all broken vessels. And like you said, reconciliation may take two people, but forgiveness starts with the choice within just one person's heart. That's it. Jason, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your heart and your passion to integrate faith in sports. Like I said, it has impacted my life deeply and it's I'm sure it's impacted tons and tons of other lives as well. So thank you for what you do and for joining us today. You're welcome, Zach. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Man, what a powerful episode with Mr. Jason Romano. I'm telling you guys, he has such just an amazing voice and an amazing testimony and somebody that really grew through the ranks in the secular world per se, going through ESPN and trying to bring the Lord and his relationship with Christ and make that so relevant in that workplace. But then to find the boldness and the courage in a job that he absolutely loved, right, and found so much joy in ESPN to say, no, I feel like God's calling me somewhere else. And I'm challenging you, somebody listening to this episode today, God is calling you somewhere else. And I challenge you to respond with that, here am I, God, send me. I'm telling you, it will change your life. And my prayer for you today is that you would truly grasp on to what God wants for your life and his will for your life rather than your own. It is so freeing. And any of you out there that are really struggling in a turbulent relationship and you're really being hurt because you're choosing not to forgive, I challenge you today to look yourself in the mirror, to find some room in your heart and make that daily choice just today and then tomorrow and then the next 
to choose forgiveness because you will truly find the freedom and the intentionality that Christ wants you to live in. That John 10.10, that I have come to give them life and to give it to the full or to give it more abundantly. Choose to live in abundance, my friend. Hey, everybody, we have a special house call with Miss Rachel Flick coming up next. Rachel is a podcaster herself with a very great podcast, very encouraging, very motivating in her hope cast with Rachel Flick. And that special house call segment of our show will be coming up right after this short break. We'll be right back with more after this. Dr. Tim for Ignite Men's Impact Weekend coming August 13th and 14th at Thomas Road Baptist Church. This Ignite is fire. Experience Zach Williams live in concert. Former Pittsburgh Steeler linebacker Ryan Shazier is with us. Best-selling author that fought the battle in Benghazi, Mark Ozgeist for our God and Country Night. Liberty University head football coach Hugh Freeze is with us. World Series champion Daryl Strawberry, Rick Rigsby, so much more. It wouldn't be Ignite without the Extreme Outdoor Expo and Kids zone with dozens of workshops stuff that men love hunting fishing football and more featuring some of the leading experts in the world best news virginia is wide open all restrictions are gone and we can't wait to get to ignite don't miss this one Welcome back to the Built Different Podcast. It's time for a house call. This segment features professional counselors in our circle answering one of your questions. On this house call with the Built Different Podcast, I'm Rachel Flick, a licensed professional counselor. Today, the question I'm answering for you is, for the person who is struggling and angry with God, what does the process of forgiveness look like in relation to our Heavenly Father? You know, this is a great question because a lot of people feel like it's not spiritual to have to forgive God because we know through scripture that God is perfect and he doesn't make mistakes. But what the reality is, is that we are wounded by our perceptions. And so if we perceive that God has abandoned us, that he did not provide for us in a certain way, that he should have protected us or someone that we loved, that he should have prevented a certain experience like the death of my husband. And because he is all powerful and he could have done that and he did not do that thing, many of us take offense with the Lord. Here's the thing about being angry with God. We can never get farther away from him than the length of our own arms because he is not angry with us in return. Just like Jacob wrestled with God, we come and wrestle with the Father, and this develops intimacy in our relationship with Him. So it's okay. It's okay to be mad at Him. And what I will say to you is that taking that step and moving forward into your relationship with Him, to tell Him what you're angry about, to tell Him the places where you feel like He failed you, the places where He should have protected you, Say those things to him as though you could see him in the room with you and then say, Father, I choose to forgive you for allowing my husband to die, for allowing us to lose this pregnancy, for allowing um, me to lose this job, for the loss of this dream, for the loss of this future, whatever the thing is 
that you feel like God should have come through for you in and he did not. Here's another thing that will radically change your perspective in your offense with God. We are not the main character of the story. All of us are written in to play the best supporting role for Jesus Christ at the center of the story. And many of us take offense and are angry because we feel like God has failed us as the center, as the main character of our story. But we are the supporting actors and actresses, and it is our job to make Jesus famous. And our lives and how we serve him and what that looks like oftentimes is not what our expectation is of what God should be doing for us. So those two things, recognizing that we are not the main character of the story, Jesus is, and then to say to him, Father, I forgive you for, and list the things that you feel like he has been um, remiss in doing for you in your life, and then allow that heated fellowship to turn into a greater intimacy and love for him in your relationship moving forward. For this house call on the Built Different podcast, I'm Rachel Flick. Hey, everybody. To find out more about Rachel, you can visit her at rachelflick.com. Again, that's rachelflick.com. And make sure that you listen to the Hopecast with Rachel Flick found on all podcast platforms to give her some support and encouragement as well. Guys, as always, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you next time on the Built Different podcast. Thanks for listening to the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton. As we close today, we want to remind you about the upcoming Waymaker World Conference. This world premier Christian counseling event will be held in Orlando, Florida, September 15th through September 18th. Over the last 14 years, the World Conference has sold out with nearly 7,000 counselors, coaches, pastors, chaplains, and more, representing all 50 states and over 40 countries. To find out more, go to worldconference.net. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton. Hi there, this is Jessica from the Built Different Podcast team. As a reminder, you can listen to this show on your favorite podcasting platforms, such as Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Stitcher. Whatever platform you choose, please remember to subscribe to the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton. Also, if you happen to catch the show on Apple Podcast, please leave us a review. Thanks again for tuning in to the Built Different Podcast.